live. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here to talk a little Bengals mandatory camp. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. I don't know if you're going to skip that question because we're doing this in the morning behind the scenes rather than in the afternoon, evening time. But I actually, I, I like the morning, so I'm fine as long as it's... Okay, question I asked my fiance yesterday, and we agree when it is, but when is the cutoff from late night to morning? Like if you woke up before this, do you still consider it late night of the last day? What? You know, okay, so for me, 5 a.m. That's what like if I wake up at 5 a.m. or later, that's fine. But if I wake up at four, that's too early. That's too early for me. That's like that's like still a late night binge party time. Well, when I used to um speaking of early mornings, I used to work morning TV and we started on the air at 4 30 in the morning. So oh, yeah, that's I, too early. Yeah, I was awake by 1 30 in the morning. And- oh, that's way too early. 1 30 yeah, in the morning. Yeah. That's yep. not the next day to me. Like that is oh, yeah. still. <laughs> also, can I just say this? Look, I know a lot of people have nine to fives or eight to fours, or maybe they're up at seven or six because they have kids. They're getting them ready for school. There's no reason that news should ever be on at 4 a.m. in the morning. It is absolutely pointless. I don't think anybody's watching. And um, so, yeah, that's my rant on those early mornings of being on morning TV and getting ready for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what important thing has happened between, I don't know, 9 o'clock and 4.30 in the morning that you need to air a whole new news? Just just air the same thing, you know? Like, what's the difference? I mean, goodness. I Half the time, I don't even know what I was saying at that time in the morning. So <laughs> I definitely don't think that people should be on TV that early in the morning. But end of rant, um, I would say, so 4 a.m. is nothing to me anymore. Um, but I would say, you know, probably 3.30 in the morning is going to be my time. That'd okay. be, that'd be late in the morning. Yeah, that's still, still. Yeah. You know, the day technically shifts at midnight, but I feel like you're hanging out at like 1230. And I, at least for me, I never think like other than just the technically, but I, I never feel like, oh, yeah, it's Tuesday now. Well, I'm not doing that on a Monday, <laughs> but yeah. uh, oh, it's Saturday now. It's like to me, it's still, it's still Friday. Nick says good answer. Whenever bars close plus 30 minutes in Utah, that must shift pretty early. Yeah, I, I agree there. So everything when it comes to bars in Cincinnati, they close at 2.30, some of them 2 a.m. And then I think COVID really is a huge factor in a lot of locations where they close a little bit earlier than they normally do. But I know some cities where the bars don't close or it's like four or five in the morning, maybe mm-hmm. New York City or, or some of the bigger cities. But here it's 2.30 is pretty late. Yeah, uh, I remember I was in New York City and it was like 1 a.m. and we couldn't find the bar to go to. It was like the city that never sleeps, huh? <laughs> Went back to my hotel. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Very Downtown much. Manhattan, everything was closed. Well, well, um, you know, speaking of vacation, speaking of trips and everything like that, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go into their offseason, even though it feels like there was really no offseason technically, because you get the offseason programs, you get the workouts, you get the OTAs. They have mandatory mini camp. Uh, that's all wrapped up right now. Do you have anything from the, two, I would say technically two and a half days of mandatory mini camp that sticks out for you? I think Cheetos Health does out of basically everything. That was the one that surprised me the most. Um, I'm not taking pretty much anything from a lot of how the players performed or how, you know, ooh, is this a new wrinkle in the offense? Like, I, I think you could, you know, you could 
theorize about that based off what you're seeing. But to me, the main thing I can take away is health. Jonah mm-hmm. showing up. We talked a lot about that. So you can listen to the last episode for that. Um, but those two things, I think, were the biggest for me. I don't think I take pretty much anything away from these guys got reps with the ones because it also they were getting reps with the twos or it was due to injury like Carmen. So for me, it was just seeing Cheeto's health, seeing Jonah come back and he's almost healthy, seeing Lyle Collins actually out there. And uh, he had what that one video that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a little bit closer than we think he might be. Uh, that's everything I take away from it. I don't know about you though. I, I, I feel like I'm in the minority when I talk about how like, yeah, I don't really care about a lot of this stuff that's coming through. I would say, honestly, it's kind of crazy because I thought I would have that same mindset going into mandatory minicamp where I'd be like, okay, I'm over the storylines. Everybody's (laughs) in their best shape of their life, which we haven't even hit that storyline. That's the first week of training camp. That's when you really hear the best shape of their lives. Um, But I would say personally, Mandatory minicamp hit a little different for me versus the other ones. You know, I've heard other people say nothing really to say here. Nothing really changed for the Cincinnati Bengals going into mandatory camp. You bring up a really good point with Cheeto. Um, Obviously, this is something even Zach Taylor spoke on it yesterday when you talked to the media. You're not going to rush him back out there. And I think the Bengals, I would say, have that luxury. Obviously, we don't know what their secondary is going to look like with, with Turner out there. If he does have to start some games, um, you get Sidney Jones um, as more of a depth piece. And then Cam Taylor Britt going to be um, CB1 if Cheeto isn't ready come September. Obviously, I think July is going to be a big clearance and, and early August clearance month for, for Cheeto. And guys like Lael Collins, who I still don't think is going to be ready to start the season. Um, and then the same thing for Jonah Williams. He's been working really hard, according to Frank Pollock. And we heard from him today. But that is really going to be telling for a lot of these guys who I don't think I think it would be smart to just allow that player to take their time, even though Cheeto is impressive in the video. I can't believe what he's able to do. And athletes are just different. They're absolutely different uh, beasts out there. And I think that's going to be really telling if he's ready in September. Awesome. That is great news for for the team in the second day on the defensive side of the ball. Um, obviously, we, we've talked plenty of Jonah Williams. And I will be completely honest with you. I went back and listened to some of the um, interviews from Jonah Williams, and I was really impressed with everything that he had to say. Obviously, you see the tweets and the quotes and uh, what Jonah Williams felt like when it comes to, um, you know, Orlando Brown signing with the Bengals. And I just really gather like this guy's ready to get to work. And and one of the clips that Dan Horde posted actually today was an audio clip from Jonah Williams. He had stated that, um, look, it's just going to be a little different because I'm so used to left tackle. But he even mentioned that he's planning on getting back into town earlier than when training camp starts uh, because he wants to work on that stuff. And, and I just think that's so that's awesome. And he just sounds like such a hard worker. Even Frank Pollock talked about his work ethic and what we're going to see from him. Um, those storylines are going to be something to watch out for. But I will say this, and I'm starting to hear a little more of the hype, and the biggest thing is if this guy can stay healthy. It's the Irv Smith. I'm kind of excited about that connection with Joe Burrow because we've talked about so many other playmakers, the Jamar Chases, the T. Higgins highlights, Tyler Boyd. Irv Smith is going to be someone – Irv Smith Jr. is going to be someone where if he if he can – you know, stay healthy. He's going to get that tight end money at the end of the season because Joe Burrow gets tight ends paid. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm really excited to see what that's going to look like when the season starts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's the most athletic to me. And I, sorry, but uh, there's just something that goes in my mind every time I talk about him being athletic is that somebody, 
don't know if it was just one person or multiple people, but it, <laughs> it annoyed me that they posted his RAS score. It's like, this guy's like a five-year pro. Why are we still doing this? He's not no. in college anymore. And uh, so, yeah, like, yeah, technically, see, technically Drew Sample has a better RAS score than Irv Smith. So, <laughs> but um, what? <laughs> Drew Sample's got like a nine. Uh, this is the biggest factor for me saying like RAS score doesn't really matter that much is how you play on the field. <laughs> Drew Sample has like a 90th percentile athlete. He's like, well, he doesn't look like it. Um, but anyway, Irv Smith, I think he's the most athletic tight end Joe Burrow's ever played with. He will be the shortest, I think, because he's like six foot two. And I haven't really thought too much about that. Like T Higgins is taller. He's probably about the same height as what Tyler Boyd. He's taller than Jamar Chase. So that's interesting because Burrow does at times like to kind of put the ball away from the corner, put it, you know, into a boxed out position for Irv. And that's not really Irv's game because he's not super long. He's not super tall. He doesn't do an awesome job on contested catches. I think that's the most interesting thing we can look at for week one, week two, week three is are they still throwing these, you know, box out balls, I'll call them but just throwing balls away from the defender and to Irv where he should be able to make the catch or do they not try those? And they're using the tight end a little bit different, maybe a little bit more down the field. I'm not sure. So that's interesting for me, but yeah, Irv, Irv is super interesting because he's just way different than the tight ends they've had. Hayden Hurst, there's some similarities. If you look at a very thousand foot view of, yeah, they're good pass catchers and not great run blockers. And then you get a little more granular. You're like, well, Irv's not great, you know, blocking defensive ends, but he can block linebackers, safeties, and corners really well. Do you use that? Or are you just going to ask him to do everything, which they kind of asked Hurst to do, and he struggled a little bit with that. And then on the passing game, Hurst was a great contested catch guy, but he, for whatever reason, wasn't really a stretch the field. He wasn't really a work down the field type. So will Irv add a dimension there? I also think Irv might be slightly better in terms of yards after catch. Hurst can drop his shoulder and have a very exciting, make everybody caveman yell as he picks up two additional yards through three defenders. But Irv can move a little bit better and he can make a guy miss and go for 10, 15 additional yards. It's not, he's not trying to think of a great yak tight end like george george kittle kind of you know he's, he's got that he's not george kittle in, in that well he's not george kittle in a lot of ways but he's definitely not george kittle in run blocking he's not george kittle with his yards after catch so it's it's not something that i think i would try to game plan in but he catches a 10 yard out route he make a guy miss and go for 20 yards um meanwhile i think hurst would catch that 10 yard out route drop his shoulder which is good and run through the guy and try to get 12, 13, 14 yards. I think those are all the interesting things with Irv Smith. He's a very unique tight end. Like I thought that Hurst had some similarities to Uzama and that made sense a little bit like a more athletic Uzama. Um, but Irv is more athletic than both, but he's also a smaller body type. So that's what I'm interested for. I, I'm interested to see how they use him. I'm pretty excited about how he's going to play in the offense. I think the safe bet is you get similar production to what Hurst got you, but it comes in different ways. Yeah, we'll we'll see what works when it comes to Herb Smith Jr. And yeah, I think a lot of people forget you put him in the tight end category, but body type kind of like a wide receiver um, with just how he's built. So we'll see what that looks like. But for him alone, I mean, he's still a young guy, and I hope that he can prove to a lot of people like, look, 
I have all the potential in the world and and maybe having Joe Burrow uh, will be will be different for him and, and what that looks like for him in this offense going into 2023. But overall, um, the DJ Reader stuff, um, I know we really don't have too much of an update, but it seems like the team is just being cautious right now. Um, do you think there's any concerns with that right now when it comes to, to the I want to say it's a foot issue, the toe? Uh, none whatsoever to the point that I forgot it was a thing. Uh, Great. I'm, just, I'm not worried. <laughs> I, I would I, say I'm I know, like, like what, what, if it ever comes to the point where like he's questionable for week one, that's where the actual worry starts. Like, even if he misses all of preseason, I just go, well, yeah, Zach's, you know, he's very uh, concerned about letting these guys play in the preseason. Yeah, I would say with DJ Reader, Logan Wilson had a um, celebrity charity a uh, softball game the other night, which was really cool because a lot of players showed up for it. Even Gio Bernard was in town and then Zach Taylor was there too. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, DJ reader was there and he was, I want to say he hit, he hit a couple baseballs and or softballs because it was a softball tournament and everything looked okay for DJ reader. And if he's out there participating in that, um, I do feel okay. And again, I think it's, it's smart to be cautious. Uh, the biggest thing going into this year, when you have all the talent and depth in the world is to stay healthy. So take it easy till you get to training camp. Yeah. Um, he was a baseball player, so I assume he could probably do that on one foot, hit the ball pretty far. Yeah. It's, I, was he a pitcher, though? Oh, man, I, I should look this up sometime. I don't know. He's, like, big for a pitcher, but for some reason I feel like he might have been. You know what? I bet Clemson has the answer for me. Baseball. I think he All was, right. though. I think he was a pitcher. Right-handed pitcher, yeah. That is so wild to me to see. I would be intimidated. It's extremely. Can... <laughs> the MLB should have just drafted him. He's probably not going to go there, but they should have just draft him. Like, let's just put him on the mound, you know, like the first couple innings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, DJ Reader on the mound throwing you the ball. Nope. Nope. I mean, even um, Titans, I'm, I'm losing my my train of thought. They're running back. Derek Henry. Henry. Derek Henry. Couldn't think of Derek Henry's name. I'm sure Derrick Henry has nightmares about DJ Reader, and we know <laughs> Derrick Henry how big he is. Uh, so yeah, I don't think I would like that. I don't think I, I would be pretty intimidated if I. Saw that'd be the DJ. coolest. Two things. One is that'd be the coolest closer to come. <laughs> Three hundred fifty pounds, six foot, six foot four uh, closer. But also, could you imagine? You know, when the all the bullpen comes running out for fights, if one of those guys was DJ Reader coming out for the fight. I mean, I think it would break up pretty quick. Like, okay, okay, let's let's stop this before that guy gets here. Yeah, no thanks, no thanks. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, the team's just being cautious with a lot of their guys. We'll get more updates when they get into training camp. The Bengals did announce camp will start Wednesday, July 26th. That first day is normally physicals. Players are getting into town. A lot of them sound like they're getting there a little bit early, and, and some aren't even leaving the city of Cincinnati to just get more off-season work in before all the fun and games of training camp. We will uh, get to our double mailbag next on Twitter. Thanks for following along. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.